right, let's do this. Is the mic on? Episode 38, What's Wrong with Orny Adams? It's early. You can hear the uh, the birds chirping. I'm actually up before the sun. I had a show last night. I'm energized. I'm ready, but I'm also barely awake. My mind's not fully functioning, which is the way this podcast should be done because that will denude me of my capability to really think things out. And when I'm truthful, it's funnier. Let's start out with what's wrong with calling 911. Well, there seems to be some confusion over what you're supposed to say first when the operator picks up. 911, where's your emergency? 911, what's your emergency? 911, where's the emergency? 911, what's your emergency? 911, where's your emergency? 911, what's your emergency? 911, where's your emergency? What is it? Is it is it where's your emergency or or what's your emergency? Because like if they pick up and they go 911 Where's your emergency? And you're like, my leg's been amputated. They're like, no, no. We said, we said where. We need to know where it is. For what? Can we seriously? There needs to be legislation. This needs to be unified across the country. Because listen, I'm in a state where it's where's your emergency. Then I travel to another state and it's what's your emergency. I'm not prepared, and I'm a perfectionist. So if I call up and I say my leg's amputated, and then they scold me and say, no, 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 we, we said where. I'm like, listen, I'm just going to hang up and call again. Because I've got to get this right. Because I know, I know these recordings are saved and then they're played on these, these crime shows. And I don't want to be the buffoon that can't get the 911 call right. That would be embarrassing. And then there's this one. Check out this variation. Hold on. Check out this variation. Or don't. Check no, out. No, what are you reporting? No, what are you reporting? What is this person drunk? What are you report? Could you articulate? 911, what are you reporting? What does this remind us of? I'm Jim Kelly, an actual astronaut has been... Come on, Jim. This is the guy we're sending to space. I'm Jim Kelly, an actual astronaut has been... 911, what are you reporting? There you go. Episode 38. Oh, it's going to be a good one. The sun's coming up. That's the way I like to start my days is welcoming the sun i like to go outside and look in the sky and say welcome sun welcome to a new day let's do this let's hope today doesn't suck as much as yesterday horny horny adams adams put it together and what do you got we got horny adams that's right Episode 38. Is it ever between juice and candy? What's wrong with parents that want their kids to drink juice instead of having candy? But we're going to talk more about 911. The world's obsession with 911, where they tell you to hang up and call 911. Let's talk about, uh, oh, I'm going to take you on an adventure. It's a really boring adventure, but it's me picking up my merchandise, my t-shirts. I'm going to take you downtown to a warehouse where my shirts are printed, and I pick them up. And then I'm going to discuss a really, I thought it was a touching 48-hour mystery about two broken hearts, about a heart transplant, uh, which, well, somebody got murdered, but then the heart transplant, and it's nice. And then it led into something else, and then it led into chaos, and then it led into somebody perhaps being canceled that was on the, it's, this world is absolutely, it's gone, it's, it's gone absolutely crazy. But have you noticed, what is that? Have you noticed, have you noticed, have you noticed that, uh, I just looked down to make sure I hit record. Can you imagine if I wasn't recording the episode? I'm actually not recording on that one, so I have to hit that. Um, can you imagine, can you imagine, there's so much to think about when I'm in here, uh, you know, all the cameras, everything recording, you know, is that thing recording over there? You gotta, you gotta look. Okay, so here's the thing. And I would say that that was a strong open. Otherwise, I'd go back and uh, edit out the last 30 seconds of what just happened on this podcast. Have you know, I've noticed lately that anything medical, anything connected to the medical field, now, when you call them and you get the pre-recorded message, they, 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 they state the business and then they say, oh, and if this is a medical emergency... Hang up and call 911. Like if you call your doctor or you call a hospital, hang up and call 911. Well, uh, 
I've noticed, and it started with like, you know, the higher end, higher up, you know, uh, doctors, and not higher end, but like, you know, a doctor. Start with a doctor. Now we're down to like my dentist. You call my dentist. They, they, they tell you, hang up and call 911. Like it's ever between, you know, has anybody called the dentist for a really serious problem? And they're like, no, no, no. You need to hang up and call 911. Like you're calling the dentist because your tooth hurts. You don't call a dentist and go, I just got hit by a car. All my teeth got knocked out. And by the way, I can't find my left arm. And they're like, well, you know what? You should hang up and call 911. Like we know when to call 911. So are people doing this to elevate themselves and their practices and their existence, what they are? Is that what's going on? So I actually spend a lot of time calling places in the middle of the night when I knew they wouldn't be there, so I wouldn't disturb them, to hear their messages. So here are some, here, here's the here's the classic hang up and call 911. Like you call a doctor's office and you'll get, the, you'll get what I'm talking about. Hold on. Thank you for calling. If this is a medical emergency, please hang up and dial 911. Okay, that's perfect. Please hang up and dial 911. You've reached the, 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 the med- medical center or whatever it was. That's we get that. That makes sense. So then I call my because this is when I first noticed it when I called my doctor's office. So here's here's an actual recording of my doctor's office. Hello, hello, hello. I don't want you to know who my doctor is. That's why it's believed. Closed on Wednesdays. If you have a life-threatening emergency, please hang up and dial nine one one. That's that's great. That's great, right? This is the doctor. We're closed on Wednesday. <laughs> That's more important than call 911, but just wait. Wait till you hear some of these recordings. Thank you for calling. We're open Monday through Thursday from 9 to 6. This is another dentist. And Fridays from 9 to 5. Oh, this is my dentist. Hold on. Let me let me roll this back a little bit. Thank you for calling. We're open Monday through Thursday from 9 to 6. And Fridays from 9 to 5. If this is an emergency, please hang up. Thanks, thanks for giving out the office room. hours first. Thank you. That, Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Oh, and then I, my friend said, you know, they're doing this at pharmacies. I said, pharmacies? Who's ever calling a pharmacy? Hey, I'm on the floor. I think I'm having a heart attack. Do you recommend an aspirin or do you recommend I, I hang up and I call 911? So I said, no way. Pharmacies are telling you to hang up and call 911? So here it is. I called pharmacies. Thank you for calling Ralph's Pharmacy in Hollywood. If this is a medical emergency, please call 911. Okay. Please call. A little condescending there. Please call 911. Please call 911. So then I said, well, maybe, maybe it's just Ralph's. Maybe it's Ralph's front. Maybe other pharmacies aren't doing this. So I called Walgreens. Hi, thanks for calling Community, a Walgreens pharmacy at Suite 1 in Suite West one. Hollywood. If this is a medical emergency, please hang up and dial 911. Okay, so there it is. Uh, I guess now all the pharmacies, maybe this is some new legal disclaimer. Maybe somebody accidentally called Walgreens when they should have called 911 and there was a lawsuit and and that's why everyone's doing this. Now, I think the first thing they should say, they should go, hi, if this is a medical emergency, hang up and call 911, right? Oh, wait a minute. There's more to the Ralph's thing. Hold on, hold on. So this is the Ralph's message. I'll I'll play it from the beginning because it goes on. Please hang up and dial 911. If this is a medical emergency, sweet one, a Walgreens pharmacy. There we go. That's the address. Suite one in West Hollywood. If this is a medical emergency, please hang up and dial nine one one. Para continuar en español. Okay, so now if you speak Spanish, now you're getting the call nine one one forty seconds later. Forty seconds later, the first thing they should say is, uh, uh, "Hello." If this is a medical emergency, hang up and, and dial 911. Then say it in Spanish. Then say it in other languages. Then get to the stupid store hours and the, the address and stuff like that. Now listen to this one. So I thought, how low does this go? How low does it go, people telling you to call 911? Like, is it going to go to chiropractors? No. That wouldn't happen, Hello, would it? you have HP office of Dr. Oh, this is, hold on, this is a doc. 
Oh boy, I should have I should have really reviewed this recording before I did this. I thought I did. Hold on. This listen to this doctor's office. Listen to how long this goes on before they get to the call nine one one part. Our office hours are from nine AM to four PM. Office assistants are not available to answer the phones between twelve noon to two PM. But it's the office does remain open. So the hold on, the office is open, but they're not answering the phones. Okay. Thank you for telling us that. Please listen carefully. We're listening. If you're a pharmacist... Screw you! Listen carefully. What does that mean? You're recording, and now you're going to tell me to listen carefully? Okay, kids, get out your your pads and your pens and take some notes. The doctor's office, we want you to listen carefully. Listen care. Screw you! Screw you! Be interesting, so I want to listen to you. Listen care. Imagine if I got up on stage and I said, uh, hey, listen carefully. Respect me. Pay attention. Let's get back to this this outgoing message. Okay, okay so now if they said if you're a pharmacy, fast your request to this. And then they give out another number. If you have a medical emergency that cannot wait, please hang up and dial 911. Yeah, thank you. Could you, or what? Go to the nearest emergency room. Oh, this one just tells you to go to the emergency. The other ones didn't give us that option. The other ones didn't say, hey, drive yourself. My neighbor got hauled away in an ambulance a couple of weeks ago, and I just ran into her, and I said, is everything okay? Yeah, yeah. And then and then she said, you should have seen the, the bill for the ambulance. I said, still cheaper than taking Uber. Seriously, I'm thinking when I uh, when when I fly to LAX next time, I'm taking an ambulance. Can't be cheaper than UberX. I mean, can't be more expensive than UberX. These ambulances. Now listen to this. Chiropractors are telling you. To, well, what's next? Fortune tellers are going to tell us to hang up and call nine one one. Listen to this guy. These are chiropractors. Thank you for calling the office of. If this call is a life-threatening emergency, please hang up and dial 911. Yeah, my back is out. Hi, 911. Yeah, my back's a little out. Hurts when I turn my neck. No, why would I call a chiropractor first? I'm calling 911. Who's who? Who's ever between the chiropractor and 911? This is getting absurd. Our office hours are Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Thank you, Cairo guy. Hello, you've reached either with the patient or we are on the other line. Or it's the weekend. If you're schedule an appointment, please leave your name and phone number and we will respond within 24 hours. If this is a medical emergency, please call 911. Thank you. I swear they're doing it just to make themselves feel more important. That's what I... I mean, seriously, why? Who... Please tell me, has anybody ever, ever called a chiropractor instead of... You know when to call 911. You just don't know what to say when the when they pick up. 911, where's your emergency? What? 911, what's your emergency? What? Where's your emergency? 911, what's your emergency? I'm at... What? 911, what's your emergency? 911, where's your emergency? Let's see if I can make this funny. Hold on a second. 911, where's your emergency? My leg is amputated. What's your emergency? No, no, wait, where? 911, why are people paying attention to comedy shows again? This is, it's its such a pleasure. It's such a pleasure. So I did a show last night. And if you're not a stand-up comic or you've never performed uh, and you don't understand the creative mind, you won't understand what it takes to do what I did last night. And I'm not i am not bragging, but I, I, was, I was at... Um, I, I was at some clubs last weekend, and I wrote a new bit. In fact, I, it was it, it's an extension of a staged version of this call 911, hang up and call 911. And I meant to do it last weekend to test it out, and I didn't get to it because I'm having so much fun sort of working within the, uh, the constraints of these new bits and expanding them and pushing the boundaries out and adding things and, and, and taking stuff away 
you know, boiling out the fat, whatever metaphor you want to use, and, and tightening and tightening, just cranking these bits until until they're going to snap. And I'm loving it. And there's such joy up there. And next thing you know, the light's on. I'm, I'm going to like the light's on. That means I have to get off stage. In stand-up comedy, when uh, they want to let you know it's time to wrap it up, you have like three minutes left. I always ask for five-minute light, five-minute light. If you're a comic watching, you think I'm running the light, I've asked for a five-minute light. Ask for a five-minute light. <clears throat> and that's when I need to go into some closing bits to bring it back up or whatever. And you just pray you've got the momentum and you've sort of timed it right internally. Well, I haven't. Last week and I didn't. I didn't do the new the new nine one hang up and call nine one one bit. And so last night, it was going unbelievable. And when I tell you I could have gone into a home run of a bit and brought it home. Instead, excuse me, I need to cough. Clear my throat. Instead, what I did was I went right into the new bit. And uh, it sort of worked, but I was in my head thinking, oh no, if I fail, this is it. I don't have time to recover. And then I'm going out on a dud. And to start the show, I went on after a comedian who was loud. And I got news for you. I'm loud. And I'll tell you what doesn't work. Loud after loud. So I got up there and I do this thing. If you've ever seen one of my shows where I sort of walk around, I look at things and, you know, I don't really say anything. I mumble. I walked up to the mic and I go, uh, yeah, you want to know something? Sort of walk away. Walk around. People are laughing. Like, what? what is this? It's like, uh, some sort of bizarre performance or is this guy okay is he on drugs what's what's happening you know i sort of stalk the stage and i act like i don't know what i'm doing and then i build it little by little and i get louder and louder by the way i hate i hate whispering i just saw a documentary on bob ross the painter and he would whisper and i hate whispering I hate whispering. And then I build the act and get bigger and bigger and bigger. I sort of reset the room. That's what I'm doing there. So the show went great, but I closed on a brand new bit and uh, didn't go that great. You know, it went okay. I, I think it can work itself out on stage. But to me, I remember looking, I go, I have like two minutes left and I didn't get to the new bit. And I thought, I'm going to be angry at myself all week if I don't do the new bit. So you know what I did? I did the new bit. I did the new bit. And and even though it didn't go, it didn't kill, and it would have been better if it was in the middle, and I had room to fail and, and time to recover, I, I was proud of myself that I did that, that I had the, you know, the guts, the guts, the stage guts. And man, do I love being on stage. I really do. It's like the only time in my life that people really pay attention. I feel like I'm surrounded by, you know, people listening with love. And, uh, you know, I feel probably like Superman when he goes into that outfit and then he's Superman for, for a few minutes. And then, and then the rest, then I come home and I'm Clark Kent. Next thing you know, I'm in, in, in front of the, uh, I'm back home. I feel safe sipping a mezcal. All right, let's do, this is a video I put together for you. This is entitled Orny getting his merchandise. Cause what this aspect of my life, uh, if you've ever seen a live show after my shows, and not in Los Angeles, but like on the road, just make sure this camera's still recording. Yeah. When you see me on the road, what happens is after the show, I do like a meet and greet and I sell merchandise. I used to sell CDs and DVDs, and then I sort of ran out of those. Only a few left. So I only ship them off of my store, off of my website, orneyadams.com. Little plug for me there. And the rest of the time, uh, now I sell t shirts. Well, how do I get these t-shirts? Well, uh, I, first of all, I come up with a concept and then I have them designed, which is very painful for the designer because I'm a perfectionist. Everything has to be perfect. Like I already, I, I'm in my head thinking about this camera over here, camera D that just went out. Why did it go out? What did it record? Was it re- like, what's, why is every camera have a problem? Used to just be camera B. And, and so I, what, what I do, I wake up before the sun. Now the sun's starting to come out and record the podcast when it's not hot and the cameras won't shut down. Now this camera, I, it's just, 
I do everything myself. And that's what this video is. This video is about me picking up the t-shirts downtown. Then when I get the t-shirts, they're in boxes. Now, there are times in my life where I hire somebody to maybe go pick up the t-shirts. Maybe I hire somebody to put the labels on, small, medium, large, because on the outside of the shirt, I'll put a sticker that says large, so it's easy to pull after a show when there's people lined up to buy the merchandise. You want to be looking at the tag going, is this a medium? Is this a large? What can you use? You know? And then I, I, then I pack the merch. Then I travel with the merch. I check the merch. Now, some people have people doing all this shit for them. Not in my lifetime. So I thought, you know what? Let me, let me share with my viewers and listeners what, what the experience of me going downtown to pick up the merchandise. So here's this video that I put together. I was thinking, what can I do to make this podcast more special for my listeners? What what part of my life have I not disclosed to them? Well, let's talk about the merchandise I sell after shows, the t-shirts. There's an entire process of coming up with a concept, then having it designed, then having it manufactured. Today is the day I go downtown to pick up the t-shirts that have been printed. I thought, well, maybe I should bring listeners along for the ride. So I'm in my car right now. I've pulled over for safety reasons. Uh, the lighting's fantastic. And I, I like my, how my hand looks. I don't know, my beard's a little gray. When I extend it, it's a cool perspective. I, I, maybe I should do all my podcasts in my car. Big yellow too. I'll paint it yellow. So I have to go downtown. This is this takes an entire day. Do I really look this because tired? The place is 15 miles away. And if you live in Los Angeles, why is my head so close to the roof of the car? If you live in Los Angeles, <laughs> This is so weird. If you live in Los Angeles, you know 15 miles away means three-hour trip there, 17 hours back because Showing, of traffic. You these are highway shots in LA. Like already I'm off schedule. I wanted to leave at 10.30 in the morning so I would miss the lunch there and the lunch, lunch traffic. back traffic. So I'm screwed. Today's lunch screwed. Traffic. But I'm going to go pick up my T-shirts. Uh, like here's an example. If you've never been to one of my shows, after the shows I sell, like this one says... Lower you, lower your expectations. See the sticker. I think that's self-explanatory. See the little sticker. Uh, I put those also on every a female version. Oh, every shirt. Is. But here, here are the new ones. I, I touched a famous person. You come to my show, you can find out what that means. And here's like a male version. So I'll go pick them up. They come in boxes, and and maybe they'll they'll let me bring you into the warehouse. And I'll tell you why I love going to this warehouse. When I was a kid. My grand, why is my seatbelt on? Pulled over for crying out loud. When There's I was so much going on through my head. When I was a kid, so much. My, my grandfather head. owned a store that sold women's clothing, mostly uniforms, like nurse uniforms, uh, doctor uniforms for women. Uh, I'm trying to think what else there was, but I remember as a kid running around in the basement of the store, running around in the store, running in and out yeah. of the racks. I, I loved it. It was such That's fond cool. memories. And this, the manufacturer I go to, Pagoda T-Shirts, downtown Los Angeles, I've been working with David for years, and it's a family-run business. I think his parents started it, and then his kids are all running around the store, and it reminds me of me. So let's go to Pagoda T-Shirts, downtown Los Angeles right now, and pick up the shirts. I don't know if David will be comfortable with me filming there. Maybe I'll just do some exterior shots, and I'll steal a couple of shots inside. But uh, this should be fun. This is a big part of my life. Sometimes I send other people to get the shirts, but mostly in my life, I do everything myself. I shoot everything. I edit everything. I write everything. I do it myself, mostly because I can't get other people to help, or also I like the control. All right, we're going downtown. Come on. This is the outside of Pagoda T-shirts, the warehouse. You can see the sign. And look at all the boxes. These are all, all the, the way shirts. up to the ceiling. Wow. The ceiling's probably... 40, 50 feet high, all these boxes. This is David. Uh, this is who I've been ordering my t-shirts from. How many years? I don't know, more. at least 10 years plus, yeah. And am I the worst client that you have? Oh, no, no, only such a funny guy. I mean, stop. every time he comes in. Be honest, yeah. how many times have we had to reorder my t-shirts? Because. Oh, no, 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 no. It's, it's part of business, but Oni is always a pleasure to work with. And it's funny how he cracks everybody up once he walks in and what's out, so. I was saying this reminds me of when I was a kid, I'd go to my grandfather's shop. So when I see your kids running around, I love it. Thanks yeah. a lot. I appreciate yeah, yeah, it. Yeah. yeah. Your parents in the background. Everybody's hiding. Nobody wants to be on camera. I felt bad, actually. 
Here are some uh, employees. Where are my t shirts? <laughs> All you want to need. No, you don't want to use. Good. <laughs> Am I the most difficult client you guys have? No, you're not. You're the best. You're the best. Bullshit. <laughs> That's my service, too. Yeah. <laughs> Where are my shirts? Which box? Oh. Gotta see all these boxes. Look at this. This is ridiculous. What happens if there's an earthquake? We're in trouble. How's everything on me? I'm shooting this for my podcast. Is that oh, okay? Wow. Yeah, you'll go big time. Wow. Make sure to subscribe. And <laughs> <laughs> whatever. Don't do it. I don't say it. So you do it. Say it. Subscribe. What else? Subscribe. Uh, what's the like button? Whatever. Uh, subscribe. Like and uh, put the alarm on. I guess. Share. Share. Yes. Share. How great is that? So thank you to Pagoda T-shirts. I just wanted to. Uh, you know, I I tried this. It, you know, it's not the greatest video of all time, but at least I'm trying different things. And if I fa- I knew not to close the podcast on that. That much I knew. I knew not to close on that new bit. (laughs) I want to discuss a 48 hours mystery. I am obsessed with crime shows. It cheers me up. You know, other people's pain. That's how how bad life is now. Uh, I notice a lot of people watching these crime shows. In in true crime documentary podcasts, people love, they don't like this, this shit. They They don't care what's wrong with Orny Adams. They don't care that I'm pointing out what's wrong with calling 911. They don't care that I'm putting together me staying up late at night calling doctor's offices and chiropractors and, and you know, voodoo medicine and, and fortune tellers and getting the recorded messages and, and editing all this stuff together. Nobody cares. Nobody cares about that time. They just want real crime stuff. And I understand. It's riveting. What I don't understand is my show really works on stage. Like I really connect with people on stage. It feels really special when I'm up there. I mean, I love it. Otherwise, I would have, I'd quit. I could quit if I want to quit. But it feels really special. I just don't understand why I can't get that to translate in other projects, including this one. It's fascinating. And also, I can't understand why my comedy isn't breaking through to other levels that I feel like it could. Life is a mystery. Must be a lot of luck, or maybe, you know, maybe I was a horrible person in a past lifetime. Twasn't another lifetime, right? So this documentary, let me try and talk you through it. It was on 48 Hours Mystery. I think it aired some time ago. It was called Broken Hearts. And what I thought was fascinating about this was it really showed how capable human beings are at greatness when they want to be because humans have such a range they they can uh why did that just shut off recover memory card data uh yeah okay all right having a little bit of issue with this camera to my left camera d i think it's the sd card maybe just is failing so uh let me continue i was watching a documentary called 48 hours Uh, It was on the ID channel, which runs basically people getting killed and dying uh, 24 hours a day. It's really healthy to watch. It's a great, you know, spend time alone watching this. That's that's what I'm doing. But this one I thought was really kind of cool because it involves somebody being murdered. And then organs taken from somebody and transplanted into somebody else and, and saving a life. And, uh and a doctor that really fought to do this procedure. And it was sort of narrated because there's a guy named uh, Gene Weingarten. He's a writer for the Washington Post. And I found him instantly fascinating. He likes to work on old clocks, and he's really into time. And I'm into time, too. Uh, Many times, I don't think time is linear. I think time just exists in different planes. But I don't want to get into that right now. But this this is the intro to the show. This is Gene Weingarten. If there are two things in this world that Washington Post columnist Gene Weingarten loves, they are writing. Old clocks are timeless. And tinkering with time. This was made around 1895, and when I'm done with it, it'll be working like new. When you're repairing a really old clock, you feel as though you're in touch with time itself. Gene has long believed there is no such thing as an ordinary day. 
that countless stories lay hidden in space and time. My theory has been that if you take a day, midnight to midnight, a single day, you would find encapsulated in that day the entire human experience. And I decided to challenge that theory. How? By pulling numbers randomly out of a hat. Gene and his editor, Tom Schroeder, went to the Old Ebbett Grill in Washington, D.C., threw 20 years of random dates into a green fedora, and picked one to prove Gene's theory that something extraordinary happens every day. We came up with December 28th, 1986. Now, listen to that. How cool, how fascinating is this, is this Gene Weingarten? He, he thinks that every single day, encapsulated in 24 hours, you'll see all of humanity. You'll see the good, the bad, the beautiful, the ugly, the disgusting, the grotesque. Let me go as negative as I can. The vile, the inhumane, the animalistic. But you'll also see love. You'll also see caring. You'll also see coddling. You'll also see the beautiful, the, the spec. Where the hell are the people in the middle? Maybe, maybe that's me. But it seems humans are so extreme. Our behavior, our capabilities of greatness. I'm, so I'm putting greatness over here. And shit, it's unbelievable. So what he did was he put in a hat twenty years of dates, and they pulled one, and it was I think December twenty seventh or twenty eighth, nineteen eighty six, and. It was a Sunday and it was a slow news day and there wasn't much happening. And he thought, oh no, we, we grabbed a bum, bum day. This experiment, it was like, remember my dots? Remember when I was convinced uh, that dots candies, there weren't enough greens in them. So I went from state to state to state with my opening act, Eric, and we bought in three different states dots just to make sure it wasn't just an individual state thing, just to do this as scientific as possible. And then I sat outside of a Walgreens to open them up. And the first one I opened up had more greens than anything else. And it failed. I go, oh no, my dots theory sucks. I just spent all this time working on this experiment and this video, and we shot all of it. We shot me buying the dots in all these different stores. I bought people dots. I was walking around like I was Mr. Mr. Richie Rich, handing out dollar boxes of dots to people. And we taped the whole thing. I was going to put together this really great video, and it... It went nowhere. And I think that's what Gene was feeling. But then he found this one story about this woman. Her name was Karen. And it takes place in in Fairfax, Virginia. And uh, also, let me just say this about Gene. He wrote a book about this exact story, which was on this 48 Hours. It was called One Day, The Extraordinary Story of an Ordinary 24 Hours in America. He also wrote a book called I'm With Stupid, One Man, One Woman, 10,000 Years of Misunderstanding Between the Sexes Cleared Right Up. Uh, so he, he's into he's into comedy. And I, I found this guy. I saw this guy. This is a guy I want to interview. He is so cool. Like, it's just the way he speaks, his confidence, his demeanor. There was something. I go, this guy's interesting. This is a guy I would sit down and talk to. And so I went to reach out to him before the episode finished on social media. And then I found out that, uh, well, I'll tell you what happened. Hang on. Let's get into the story. So what happened was Karen in Fairfax, Virginia, she's 19 years old very attractive and she's dating this guy and I guess the guy was abusive and he was stalking her and she said I'm over it I'm done I'm done and in fact she was romantic because she had sent one of uh, this other guy that she was friends with anonymously she had sent him a love letter saying uh I'm your secret admirer uh you know and I I think about you all the time and the guy unsuspecting never thought it was Karen and then she invited him over on Christmas day and said, listen, I'm alone in my apartment. Why don't you come by? And he came by and uh, they talked, they laughed. Like they, they're, they're friends. They've been friends for years and everything's great. And she revealed that she was the author of that letter. And he couldn't believe it. And he said, I fell instantly smitten and in love. And he went home and he was giddy. And then two days later, I guess, Karen's boyfriend or ex-boyfriend who wanted to repair things showed up. He showed up and in his trunk was a bottle of uh, Evan Williams bourbon 
and a shotgun. And I guess the guy wasn't a very good drinker. They'd said this earlier. And he went in there, he tried to repair things. And uh, it didn't go so well. He was sensing that Karen would not take him back. And so he shot her five times. Five times. Now, she's dead. 48 Hours starts another uh, sort of story that will bring this all together. And it's about a doctor, Dr. Lafrac, who is a uh, surgeon, a heart surgeon, cardiac. So, in fact, when you call Dr. Frack, Lafrac, he doesn't tell you to call 911. He knows you're calling him because you're having a cardiac problem. In fact, that's what it should say. It should say, hang up and call Dr. Lafrac. I love Dr. Lafrac. I'm in love with everybody on this episode, including this woman. Her name is Anna. And Anna, where's where are the notes on Anna? I'm sorry, Eva. 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 Eva's 20 years old. This is why uh, I, I don't have TV shows because I can't even I can't, I can't even recap. They told this story so well, and I'm now butchering it. Uh, Eva's 20 years old. She's a nursing student, and she had two kids. And she had some sort of heart problem, uh, idiopathic cardio failure. Uh, that's how D- Dr. Lafrac described it. He used a different word for cardio failure, like cardiomyopathy or something. But I, I couldn't say two big words in a row. Idiopathic cardiorapathy. That's why I'm a comedian. So Dr. Lafrac meets Ava, who's 20 years old, and she's got this, it's a heart failure, and the word, I guess, idiopathic means, they don't know why it's failing. But if she doesn't get a new heart, she's going to die. And I guess everybody just loved this Ava, so they, they, they searched tirelessly to find a heart for this woman. And here's, uh, here's a segment uh, from 48 Hours Mystery. This is Dr. Lafrac talking. Dr. Lafrac and his team were getting ready to make history about to become the first team in the greater D.C. area to attempt a heart transplant. Yeah, this is part of the story. Uh, no no hospital in the area could legally, in, in the Washington area, perform a heart transplant. This was something sort of new, and they wouldn't approve it because there just wasn't enough demand for it. It probably comes down to money. Monetarily, why are we going to put money into a program where there just isn't any need for it? I guess the patient could probably fly to another state where this is being done. Dr. Lafrac fought for it. He fought for it. And he he would practice on his breaks. He would do like a surgery, and then he would go to the morgue in between surgeries and practice doing transplants on, uh, I hope, dead people. I hope he wasn't practicing on the staff at the morgue. They had finally found the perfect donor for Eva Basie. Did you know anything about the donor at that point? No, I really did not know anything about the donor. That's Dr. I think they called me and told me it was a donor with a gunshot wound to the head. Now listen to that. So we know Karen has been shot five times. This is where the story gets fascinating. As being told right now, by Gene Weingarten. Listen to this. But it wasn't Karen Ermert. What? In it's a mystery. narrative, Karen Ermert's heart would have been the one that saved Eva Basie. But that's not how it happened. Things are not always that simple. It was the killer's heart that saved Eva Basie. What? Yes. It was the killer's heart. Something happened where he shot himself and he was dead, but the heart was still pumping. And so the killer's heart is now going into Ava. Uh, I mean, unbelievable, isn't it? It's unbelievable. So let me continue with this clip from 48 Hours Mystery. Not transplant. People were going to live five years. Okay, so I now... Think it- Lefrac, Dr. Lefrac describes what it's like to remove a heart at one point. And I guess to take a heart out of a person, he goes, you snip, 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 use it like a scissor, snip, snip, snip. And within five minutes, the heart is detached from the body. And then it takes about 12 minutes 
to implant it in the other person. They have to take that. They took that out of one operating room. They put it in an igloo cooler, and 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 then it was taken to another uh, emergency room, and now it's being put in, in AVA. And I guess a heart transplant recipient usually lives for about five years. That's that's what they told her to expect. And they wouldn't allow her to work because she wanted to be a nurse. And you can't be around sick people if you have a heart. This, you know, you could catch COVID. So she was expected to live five years. It was actually a shock to her after five years that we said to her, you know, you're still here. Maybe you need to get a job. <laughs> Dr. Lafrac agreed. Eva was doing so well, he changed his mind. She could work in healthcare after all. She's been helping sick people deal with their health problems ever since. I'll How tell them my story about my, you know, the transplant. I say things are not always going to be like this. I promise you, they will get better. And they do. Eva continued to defy the odds. Five years became 10. 10 became 15. 15 became 30. Happy anniversary. So here's the cool thing. She, as of like now... I think she's had this for 34 years. She's been alive 34 years. She's expected to live five years. Now, Dr. LaFrac and the nursing staff and the staff at the hospital just fell in love with Ava. And how beautiful is this? The, the killer's heart. Now, I, I, again, I would have rather, in the perfect narrative, as Gene would say, would be that that uh, the, the heart came from Karen. Thank God. But by the way, that name, Karen. It's Every time I say Karen, now I think of Karen's. It's become a, a negative to have the name Karen. Poor Karens. Anybody feel bad for good Karens? I feel bad for good Karens. There are good Karens out there who now have to live with the name Karen because of one Karen. Thanks, Karen, for ruining the name Karen for all other Karens. What a life. You're living your life as a Karen. You're, you're, you're righteous. You're loving. You're caring. You pay your taxes. You uh, pick up litter on the side of the road. You do everything correct. And then the stupid Karen comes along and acts like a Karen. And now the name Karen sucks. Your entire life, you're Karen. You're riding along. And then all of a sudden, you have to live your life with this blemish of being a Karen. Thank God I'm the only Orny. (laughs) 48 hours mystery. So... They fell in love. Dr. LaFrac actually fell in love with Ava. And I thought, oh my God, they ended up together. Because Dr. LaFrac was married, had a couple of daughters. I go, does he end up with Ava? Well, he fell in love with her in a in a in a deeper sense. And every every year on the anniversary of the heart transplant. They all call and talk to Ava. And here's some recordings of this. And you'll you'll see the love. You'll see. Happy anniversary. Happy anniversary, Eva. Happy December 28th. On December 28th, 2019, Dr. LaFrac made the call he's made on that day every year. What'd you do on Christmas? Since the transplant. What do you say to each other in that anniversary phone call? Well, I congratulate her and usually tell her that I love her. I'll keep in touch with you. I love you. You know what? So this isn't just your doctor. Yeah, he's my friend. You know, I still call him Dr. Frack, but he's, um, he's my friend now. Yeah, I love this him. This beautiful. I love him dearly. And the feeling is quite mutual. What is that all about? <sighs> I don't know. I just, I respect her and, you know, <laughs> Sorry, but I just I, I just love her. I don't know what it's about. Just really appreciate her. And it's all it's all good. I just hope she lives forever. I hope she lives forever. I mean, how beautiful is that? How beautiful is this? You know, so from 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 a tragedy, from death, from a horrible human being that assassinated his girlfriend and then took his own life. Like a coward. Listen to the birds agreeing with me. Comes this beautiful life saved, Ava, who goes back to nursing and is helping people and saving people. This piece of shit murderer, his heart 
has led to greatness in the world. And I'm watching this going, oh my, please, Ava, don't you turn into a murderer. Can you imagine if the the murderer heart, that's the problem? He had the, the heart of a murderer goes into Ava and then she becomes a murderer. That's what would happen in the in the Hollywood story. She, she'd go around and, and stalk people and kill them. But in real life, from this tragedy, we see glimpses of greatness. So here's, this is life. It's like this piece of shit. Don't they always say like mushrooms come from shit? I don't know. But you know, from from just, just a horrible situation. We see beauty. We see beauty. It reminds me of my career. The pain. The pain. The pain. But there's beauty. There's beauty. I'm sure there's a million metaphors and, and, and examples you could give. I, I can't think of any because I'm up before the sun. I'm up before the sun because I woke up, I go, I got something to say. And I spent all this time editing this stuff and then I rehearse it. Like I, re- like I wrote down the order of, of what clips come on in the video. And then in, when we start rolling, I mean, I'm just, I'm probably doing too much, but I'll be really curious to sit back and listen to this one and see how, how this plays out with, you know, with the camera going down and, and uh, just, you know, on the day when you do it, things, things happen differently. But remember at the beginning, I said Gene Weingarten, I was fascinated by him. And I, I, I wanted to go read some of his articles, but I don't subscribe to the New York Post. And if you don't subscribe, they're not giving you anything. But I noticed last week he got himself in trouble because he wrote an article called You Can't Make Me Eat These Foods. And it was written uh, by uh, Gene and it was published in the Washington Post. And it said, Washington Post humor columnist. Boy, I didn't know the Washington Post had comedy. <laughs> this is... This is the essence of what he said that caused an outrage. Because I went on Twitter. I was going to follow him and send him a message saying, hey, I'm going to talk about you really positively on my podcast. Not that he would care. And, um, you know, sort of connect with him. Let him know that I, I really thought he was cool. And, and uh, then I go, uh-oh, this controversy. This guy's upset a lot of people. He upset 1.3 billion people. I can't, I can't align myself. Now you got to be careful who you align yourself with. You ever see these pictures of like uh, horrible people, like Jeffrey Wine, uh, Jeffrey Epstein, and and then he's next to Bill Clinton, or like God forbid you are at a function and you're you, you're at a table with Jeffrey Epstein, and now you're you're aligned with Jeffrey Epstein. I don't want to have my picture taken with anybody. I'm going to get a t-shirt after shows when I take pictures that says, I don't fucking know this person. I'm with, I don't know this person. That's what I'm going to get. This is what he said in the article that upset everybody. Um, Many of the foods, Gene Weingarten focuses on several foods he says he refuses to eat and why. He's trying to be funny. Right? I don't eat fish. That's what mine would be about. I don't eat fish. And then I would malign the fish. Well, thank God the fish can't cancel me. Just listen to this. Many of the foods, including Old Bay seasoning, anchovies. I don't eat anchovies. Hazelnut. Well, this guy's out of his mind. Hazelnut. Ice cream. You ever been to Italy? The, 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 the gelato? Gelati, if you want it plural. No, jella. Nutella! Ah! That's how I order my ice cream. Nutella! My uh, gelato. Uh, Nutella! She doesn't eat hazelnut. We're described in similarly harsh ways, but many on social media criticize Wine Garden for oversimplifying such a uh, multifaceted cuisine. Okay, this is what he said. Uh, The Indian subcontinent has vastly enriched the world. Okay, he's going after Indian cuisine. Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. What is he thinking going after Indian cuisine? That you can't... uh, Where's where's the theme? Is it... It's not on here anymore. 
I was gonna play canceling time, but hmm. yeah, I guess I took it off my so he goes, the Indian subcontinent, this is a quote from the article. Gene Weingarten, who was gonna be my new friend, but he's in the process of being canceled, and I can't align myself with anybody that would malign my friends in India. The Indian subcontinent has vastly enriched the world, giving us chess. I didn't know that. Buttons. Well, everyone knows that. The mathematical concept of zero. I didn't know that was a concept. Shampoo. Thank you, India, for the shampoo. Modern day nonviolent political resistance. Shoots, shoots and ladders. That's Indian? Hmm. The Fibonacci sequence. Well, everybody knows that came out of India. Rock candy. Cataract surgery. Cashmere. They also gave us, please hang up and dial 911. Yeah, India started that. USB ports. I better not make any jokes here. And the only ethnic cuisine in the world insanely based entirely on one spice. Uh Uh-oh, canceling time. You can't say that. Weingarten, in his article, which was published August 19th, and if you know what today's date is, it's just a few weeks after that. It's the 12th of September. And boy, yesterday was a horrible day. Yesterday, uh, you know, 20th anniversary of September 11th. And I'm still not over it. And it affects me. It affected me yesterday, my mood in general. If you like Indian curries, this is how he ended it. Yay! You like Indian food. So he simplified Indian. If you, and so then people lashed out. People, you you know, Padma Lakshmi on, uh, she was on Top Chef. Went to college with my sister, Clark University. She wrote this. Stupid wine garden. It's going to be my friend. And then he went after Indian curries. If you think Indian curries taste like something that could knock a vulture off a meat wagon. Oh, yeah, I said that in the article, which I, I don't get what that means. You not, you do not like Indian food. Uh I don't get it as a... Oh, this is what he wrote. If you think Indian curries taste like something that could knock a vulture off a meat wagon, I don't know what that means. You do not like Indian food. I don't get it as a culinary principle, Weingarten continued. It is as though the French passed a law requiring every dish to be slathered in smashed pureed snails. I personally have no problem with that, but you might, and I would sympathize. Uh, Lakshmi, sorry, Lakshmi, Lakshmi responded. This is her official response on uh, social media. On behalf of 1.3 billion people, in reference to the population of India, kindly fuck off. And she didn't spell fuck. So uh, then Weingarten responds, from start to finish, uh, the column was was a whining infantile, was about... What a whining, infantile, ignorant dickhead I am. And he didn't spell dickhead. Is any, why, why Nobody's spelling these words. We know what they are. Just spell them. So now we have a guy in the Washington Post calling himself a dickhead. We have Lakshmi Padma using the F word. And by the way, the world's a horrible place. The least of the offenses and infractions in the world right now are people using words like that. I, I personally don't swear that often. When I said that before the T-shirt, it, I said it to be completely shocking because you don't hear me swear that often. Uh, so he wrote, um, I should have named a single Indian dish, not the whole cuisine. He should have just maligned curries. Well, I wouldn't even malign curries. I love curries. I'm here to say I love Indian food. I love Indian food so much that... I don't know what to order because I love every dish almost. Sag paneer? Sag paneer with the little squares of uh, yogurt, congealed squares. Delicious. With um, uh, spinach. I love uh, I love almost every dish, including when you get the rice pudding at the end uh, with those cardamons, cardamon seeds. I, I, it's one of the few times I will eat at a buffet. I hate buffets. If you know Orny Adams, that's me, your host of What's Wrong with Orny Adams. You know I hate buffets. I'll go to hotels and they'll say, hey, I'll order breakfast. I go, you know, it's cheaper if you just go to the buffet. I go, I don't care. I'm not standing in line. I want an omelet. I want this, this, this. They go, it's going to be more expensive than if you just pay $39.99 for the buffet. I go, I don't care. I'm not waiting in line. 
I'm paying to not wait in line. And then you know what I see? I watch the waiter walk up to the uh, guy making omelets at the uh, at the buffet, and they just order it right. I mean, it's they don't even go into the back and pretend. They go and order it off of the buffet for me. But Indian food, I, I don't. I want to order one of everything. I love, and it feels good. It feels healthy. In fact, if you're a vegetarian, their spices are delicious. So I disagree with Wine Garden. I love my Indian people, and I love your food. So he said um, he should have named a single dish, meaning he should have just gone after curries. Uh, I do see how the broad brush was insulting. Apologies. Also, yes, curries are spice blends, not spices. Well, now this guy's entire life has been turned upside down because he went after 1.3 billion people in their cuisine. But he was just trying to be funny. Here's what I'm trying to say is we don't have to cancel this guy. He, He was being insensitive. People went online and called him a racist. I think racist is a word now people are just throwing around. It used to be such a heavy word. Like, let's save it for the real racist. The people who are, you know, out there uh, screaming white power. The people who are, you know, anti-Semitic, that are racist against African-Americans. Let's go after these people. Latinos, Latinas, you know, the people that are xenophobic. This guy... He was insensitive. I don't think, what I'm trying to say is, I don't think, and maybe I'm wrong. What do you, what do you think? You're welcome to change my mind. Do you think Gene Weingarten is a racist? Do you think he is subconsciously racist against Indian people? Or do you think he just doesn't like the food? Gene's Jewish and uh, I'm Jewish. I don't, if you tell me you don't like knishes and you say they're the biggest piece of crap of all time, I would say, all right, they just, maybe they didn't grow up with knishes and they don't understand the beauty of the knish, the love of the knish. By the way, if you disagree, hang up and call 911. I wouldn't think that you are anti-Semitic. I don't know if he is. Whatever happened to, it's in poor taste. We used to say that all the time. It's in poor taste. It's in poor taste. What you're, what he, he or she said is in poor taste. Now we just go right off the rails. Cancel racist. Cancel racist. And I just feel like this, this isn't healthy. So now let's go after some what what, what other people um, said about him. What did I hit? I think there's a ghost in the trailer today. There's a ghost in my chest out today. I'll let this play because it's a little bit soothing. Oh my God, they retracted. They retracted. Here's what one person said on Twitter. Ready? This is Atia. Etchine Weingarten, who was going to be my friend. He was going to be my new friend. But he had to go after Indian food. Etchine Weingarten, the part you missed is the following. Our ancestors were plundered by Western colonizers for 200 years for our spices. Then some of us, then some of us land in the West and get told our food is smelly in school. And just when we think adults have evolved, we read your column. Gene Weingarten responds, thanks for the sober elaboration. Oh God, he's not using the word dickhead in this story. I really appreciate it. That is something I actually didn't know about your, your food, historically, being a target of ignoramuses. Just about every everyone I know loves Indian food, so I don't think of it as a potential source of ridicule. Again, thank you. So now this his entire life is now, uh, for the last few weeks, defending uh, his article. He was just trying to be funny. The thing is, if you're going to be funny, you have to take risks, okay? And Gene was taking a risk, and some people criticized his publisher for allowing this to be published. And then the Washington Post, they, they they did a retraction. Ready for this? A previous version of this article incorrectly stated that Indian cuisine is based on one spice, curry, and that Indian food is made up only of curries, types of stews. In fact, Indians' vastly diverse cuisines use many spice blends and include many other types of dishes. The article has been corrected, reads a note at the top of the piece. I mean, can you imagine this? Can you imagine that this is how we're spending our time? In a sense, I mean, I understand. I understand people. I was with um, a comedian last night. 
who's Persian, and he expressed to me, and I, I never realized this. He grew up uh, on the East Coast. I don't want to say what city because it might give away who it is. And he said it was really difficult growing up because he didn't know where he fit in as somebody who's Persian. He didn't know if, if he, you know, I don't want to say his words, but he didn't know. And I never thought of that. And he said he was ashamed on stage to talk about being Persian. And it was only until recently that he felt comfortable talking about it. And these are things that I'm not aware. So I, I'm not aware that that Indian uh, kids are bringing food to school and they're told it's smelly. Well, screw those kids. You're calling it smelly. It's delicious. But and I'm sensitive to that. So I am sensitive to people and how the, they feel. But in another sense, it's like this. This feels a little bit overblown. I, I didn't know. Full disclosure before you come after me. I didn't read the article because I don't subscribe to the New York Post. And I'm sure many of these people on social media criticizing the article probably didn't read it. Okay? But I do disagree with Gene. I do. I, I think the food, it's one of my favorite. In fact, I'm going to eat it for lunch today if I can find it. I, I, I love Indian food. And I love hazelnut. I don't like anchovies and I don't like fish. So come after me for that. But... It does seem like we just blow off the handle. Like it would have been nice if maybe, you know, hey, Gene, it just seems insensitive, that article you wrote. And maybe you don't understand that uh, our spices were plundered for 200 years from Western civilizations. And, and uh, you know, I felt ridiculed in school when I would bring my food and, you know, I was a little offended. And, uh, you know, maybe that that's the approach. I, I don't know. We just live in such extreme times where nobody's happy. Where's people smiling and laughing anymore besides at an Orny Adams show? Speaking of which, I have shows coming up. Let's go over some of my shows because I will be at the Stress Factory in New Brunswick, New Jersey at the the end of this month. I don't have the exact dates up. I'm not going to go over exact dates. You go to ornyadams.com slash tour. ornyadams.com slash tour. ornyadams.com slash tour. Liberty, 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 liberty. Orneyadams.com slash tour. New Brunswick, New Jersey, Stress Factory. Let's fill the place up. Tickets are selling. I saw the ticket counts yesterday, and I made a promo. Then I go to West Palm Beach Improv. These dates are, remember, October 1 and 2. Then I have five days off in Florida, and I'm going to go hang out at somebody's house that's secluded. I'm going to be alone, and I'm going to stare at the water and do nothing. Then... I'm doing a private show on a yacht. Big time, people. Big time. All right? Private show on a yacht. That's on a Saturday night. On Sunday, I wake up, I fly to where? Hawaii to do a private show. Three flights at a West Palm Beach to get to Hawaii. And I'm doing a private show on Monday night. I'll be in Hawaii for a couple of days. My shirt will be on because... I look disgusting without my sh- Some woman last night, sh- I showed her my, you know, I, I always flex because I think it's, fu- I'm not athletic. So I think it's a joke when I, fu- you know, I go like this because she was very athletic. And she goes, how's your core? I go, core? You want to see my bank account balance? My core? I've never had a good core. I had a shitty core when I had a high metabolism. My core, no more, is a bore. Remember that one woman said I was kind of fat? That's what we're dealing with. Did this stop recording too? That wouldn't surprise me. Uh, So then after West Palm Beach, after Hawaii, then I'll be back. Then I go to, oh, Vegas. First week in November. Laugh Factory, Las Vegas. Then I'll be back at Mohegan Sun. Then I'm at the Irvine Improv. Then I'm at the, no, Tacoma Comedy Club, Irvine Improv. I'm going to Arkansas, Lowell, Arkansas. I'm all over the place. I'm all over the place making people laugh and avoiding COVID. That's my goal. That's my goal. Orneyadams.com slash tour for all the specific dates. Please don't call me and tell me the links don't work. Don't call me and tell me anything doesn't work. I know it doesn't work. Cameras are shutting off in this, this lifetime of mine. I don't have enough support. I don't have enough support. I'm just trying to keep my energy up. That's all. That's why I drink this magic juice. Magic juice. People go, oh, what's in your magic juice? None of your business. What's in my magic juice? Okay. I love juice. And I was watching uh, 
CNBC the other day and they said, uh, this stock is, this juice stock is going down because people aren't drinking juice anymore. And then the guy said, you know, when my kids want juice, no, no. He said, you know, when my kids want, he goes, juice is all sugar. It's just all sugar. It's all sugar. Juice is good. Juice is good. I was raised on juice. Now I was on, what are you, what are you, Gene Weingarten going after juice now? Guy goes, juice is all sugar. I've stopped drinking juice. I sometimes I have juice in the house. This is what the, this guy said. When my kids want candy, I say have juice. What a great dad! Imagine that's your dad. You're a little kid. You want some candy? The one time in your life you can actually eat candy and not worry. And he's taking this away from you and telling you to drink juice. What? Ca- what? Per- what? A do- what? Anybody's ever like? Oh, I don't know. Do I want? Uh, do I want Snickers or do I want juice? What is it? Hmm. Hmm. It's Snickers. It's different kind of sugar. It's not even the same kind of sugar. Sh- it, it, it drives me absolutely nuts. I mean, no one. Are we are we dipping strawberries? In orange juice? No, we're we're dipping them in chocolate and we're eating them with champagne. I mean, yes, they're both sugar. Juice is sugar, chocolate sugar, but it's different high. You know, we're sipping sake or we're doing shots of tequila. I mean, it drives me nuts. It really, on Halloween? On Halloween? We go trick or treating or people handing out fresh squeezed orange juice? No. No, are candied apples dipped in orange juice? No. No, it's absurd. Tired of it. I can't take it. When did juice become a substitute for candy? Not in my house. Not in your house. You want to have kids that love you? They want to take care of you when you're on your deathbed? And not just because you have a will with money in it? Don't give them orange juice instead of chocolate. Stupid. Tired of this shit. Episode 38. Why am I? I'm, I'm fired up because the camera stopped working. But remember, from bad, there's good. From bad, there's good. Somebody murders somebody, their heart goes on and lives a beautiful life inside of Ava, who became a nurse, lived 33 years after that heart transplant. What's wrong with calling 911? We don't know how to start the call. I, I want to be, I want to, I rehearse this. 911, what, where's the emergency? I'm like, I'm on the floor, I need help. No, we said, where's the emergency? Screw you. Unify. It should always start with, what's the emergency? That's the most important thing. We'll get to it. We'll find out where you are. We'll trace your call if we have to. We have that technology right now. Episode 38, what's wrong with Orny Adams? This is it. It's going to be hell. It is going to be hell to edit this because it's nothing but technical problems. Thank you, Ernesto Hurtado, for... uh, doing what you do with the audio. I always forget the word. Polish it, bounce it, whatever. Balance it. Thank you, Ernesto Hurtado. This this is a wonderful episode. And remember, if you're listening to this podcast and it's an emergency, hang up and dial 911. Thank you. Thank you for listening to What's Wrong with Only Adams. Please don't forget to share comment and give us five stars on your favorite podcast app if you'd like to reach out to the show please contact us at our email at what's wrong at orneyadams.com and for all additional information please go to teamwhatswrong.com that's www.teamwhatswrong.com